Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. And it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word today, thank you for the spirit of faith that rises up in the hearts of men and women right now. Lord, you said faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so I thank you today that your word comes to encourage us, your word comes to strengthen us, your word comes to edify us. Whatever is needed, I thank you that your word is fully loaded. And God, I thank you that you would bless every person in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. All right, family, I want to continue on speaking about unshakable. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them I'm unshakable. Amen. I want to talk to you about unshakable. And here in Hebrews 12, if you remember last week, uh, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews really contrasts the Old Testament and the New Testament, the new Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And we see here that uh, the, the writer to the book of Hebrews says something important, that he says, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Hallelujah. Amen. And I want to just look at this verse, these two verses, 28 and 29, and share four things about how you and I can be unshakable. Because I do believe that God wants us to be unshakable. In other words, it doesn't matter what you are facing, what your ad adversity is, whatever giant you may, you may be up against, amen. If you know that Jesus Christ lives on the inside of you, we know that greater is he that lives in us than he that is in the world, uh, then we, are, we ought to be unshakable people. Can I get a better amen right now? So we're going to look at four things today. And the first thing he says, well, actually we are uh, receiving. He doesn't say we have received or one day we will receive, but the writer says we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. We are receiving. Now, I want to just make mention of the fact that, you know, if you think about a well, the purpose of a well is basically to continuously supply water to whoever is using the well. And we know that as long as the well is constantly receiving new water, it'll always be able, in other words, there will always be water available to whoever is drawing from that well. In other words, if there is a continual underground supply of fresh water, fresh new water, the well will always be full. And I believe that you and I are like wells as well. We were born again, and when we were born again, Jesus stepped into our lives. Amen? It's interesting when the Bible speaks about being born again that we see three tenses in which uh, the, the Bible speaks about you and I being born again. The first tense is in the past, and it says that we have been saved. We have been saved. So 2 Timothy 1 and 9 says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. In other words, we were saved. That's a past tense. But if you look, there are other scriptures that say not only were we have we been saved, but it says we are busy being saved. We are being saved. And that's found in 1 Corinthians 1 and 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but 
to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, all right? And then not only that, not only were we saved, not only are we being saved, but the Bible says that one day we shall be saved as well. Romans 5 and 9 says, and much more, having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Verse 10 goes on, for if then we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So how does that apply? What is, what, is, what is going on, Pastor? We were saved, we are being saved, and one day we shall be saved. How do we, how do we understand this? How do we put some sense to all of this? Well, we can simply by understanding uh, what your makeup is. And I'm not talking about Revlon makeup or Clarence makeup. I'm talking about you as an individual. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 that you are spirit. We are spirit, soul, and body. Would you lift your hands and say, I am a spirit and I have a soul and I live in a body. Say it one more time. Everybody right across the campuses, I am a spirit. Within my spirit is a soul. In the soul is my will, my mind, my emotions. And all of that lives in a body, all right? So you are spirit, soul, and body. And we understand that when you got saved, your spirit man was made alive unto God. God is spirit, right? And you are first and foremost spirit. So when you got saved, your spirit man became alive unto God. And the Bible calls that justified. Justification is like God just wipes out your account and you are made righteous before God. And if you had to die right there and then, you would go on to be in heaven. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And that is the process of justification. You are instantly, the moment you confess Jesus Christ... As your Lord and Savior, your spirit man was made alive unto God. You're born again. But how many of you know your mind uh, needs to catch up? And, and, and so the, 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 the mind, the area of the soul is being saved. That's why every day we have to pick up the Word of God. The Bible is like soap, actually. It's like a detergent. And every day we've got to pick the Word up and read the Word. And as we do that, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 tells us that we are renewing our minds. So that is the process of being saved. The more I walk with Jesus, the more my mind is renewed, the more my emotions line up with the Word of God. Hallelujah. But how many of you know, so that's the process, what we call sanctification. Justification is my spirit. I'm born again. I confess Jesus Christ. So it happened in the past, or if it never happened, it will happen today. But I'm justified. Sanctification, which involves my soul, the area of my mind, my thinking, you know, my reasoning, all of that every day as I pick up the Bible and I read and I come to church, I go to the life groups or whatever it is, I am being sanctified. I'm getting more and more of Jesus every day. But how I don't even know your body's uh, is just uh, flesh. Your body is flesh. The moment you were born into this world, you started the death process. Some of you this morning, for the first time, found some wrinkles, some new wrinkles, and some new platinum streaks or some snow on the top of the roof right? Because your body is perishing. But one day, should we still be alive and Jesus comes, the Bible says, mortality will put on immortality. 
So that's what the Bible says, we shall be saved. In other words, you will put on a glorified body. Your spirit man is saved and was saved. Your soul every day as you read the Bible, you are being saved. You, your mind is being renewed. You're becoming more and more like Jesus every day. But one day, mortality will put on immortality and we will receive our glorified bodies and so that's how it is when it comes to understanding salvation but here it talks about you and I receiving a kingdom if we want to be unshakable if we want to be resolute and determined and persistent in our walk with God and what it is that God has called us to do in other words in the face of adversity or whatever it is that we might be facing we have to position ourselves in a posture that is able to receive every day from God when Jesus came into your life we know the kingdom came in but not all the kingdom right so the more you position yourself to receive, the more of the kingdom you receive, and the more of the kingdom you receive, the stronger you become, the more unshakable you become. Can I get an amen? Say this with me. The more I position myself to receive, the stronger I become. And the stronger I become, the more unshakable I become. In other words... In other words, it doesn't matter what may blow my way, I become unshakable. I become resolute, unwavering, unfaltering, unswerving because of my receiving posture. All right? So that's the first thing. You want to be unshakable. Make sure that you are always in a posture that is able to receive the word, able to receive from God. Can you say amen? And then he said, not only that, but in verse 28, uh, Hebrews 12, he says, therefore, since we are receiving, present tense, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace. Let us have what? Okay, now grace is not the name of some per person, all right? We used to know a lady by the name of Grace. It's not talking about a lady's name or a person's name, whatever it is. It's talking about the grace of God. Listen, we wouldn't be able to do what we are doing right now if it was not for the grace of God upon our lives. In the natural, there would be no way. I would have given up long time ago. I'm telling you right now, I would have given up long time ago had it not been for the grace of God that has kept us in that place. No matter what storm of life has blown our way, it was the grace of God that kept me in that place. It was the grace of God that gave me the fortitude. It is the grace of God upon you that enables you to do what God has called you to do. And my friend, it's not because you are highly into, uh, educated and you've got a lot of charisma and blah, 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 blah. It is the grace of God, the anointing of God and the grace of God that gives you the strength. It gives you the fortitude. It gives you the ability never to quit, never to give up. It gives you the ability to be resolute, determined, and persistent. That is what the grace of God does. Can you say amen? Ephesians 2 and verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Now we know that you can't get saved through works. All right, we don't work our way into heaven. Jesus paid the ultimate price on the cross. 
So, and, and when he died, he said, it's finished. So in other words, we can't come with all of our good works and say, oh, I, I, you know, I, th- th- there's a place for me in heaven because I'm such a wonderful person, because I'm such a wonderful husband, because I'm such a wonderful wife. No, it's purely by the grace of God, the mercy of God. Jesus took the wrath and fury of God that should have come upon us because of when Adam transgressed thousands of years ago. But Jesus came in our place. Amen. And so when God looks at mankind, God is not angry with mankind. There are some people that believe that God is angry. And in a minute now, he's going to pour judgment and all kinds of stuff. All of that was poured on Jesus. So when God looks at us, He looks at us through the eyes of grace and mercy. But verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But verse 10, He goes on and He says, But hang on a boat. Once you're saved, let me talk to you about workmanship. Let me talk to you about work in the kingdom. Hallelujah. We are his workmanship, verse 10 says, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So I'm not saved by my works, but once I am saved, it is the grace of God that enables me to do the good works for God. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Lift your hands and say, I'm not saved by works. Say it like you mean it. I'm not saved by works. It is the grace of God. But once I am saved, it is the grace of God upon my life that enables me to work the good works that God predestined, that God put on the inside of me before I was ever born. Hallelujah. So in other words, grace is what enables you. It is the grace of God that enables you as you serve here to stand on a Sunday and shake somebody's hand and smile at them and minister to them. It is the grace of God. You might be facing your own battles, your own giants at home, but it is the grace of God that sustains you, the grace of God that strengthens you, the grace of God that says, I must be in my place, come hell or high water, because it's not by my might nor by my power, by the power of the Holy Ghost, and it is the grace of God upon your life. Whatever it is that God has called you to do, I want you to know, it is the grace of God that keeps you there. In the natural, if you do it in the natural, let me tell you, you will not last for long. You will be here today and gone tomorrow. Are you listening to me? If, if it is not the grace of God that, that's putting you there and keeping you there, you, you'll be gone tomorrow. You'll, you'll get taken out. I know, I know lots of people that are taken out, so to speak, in a negative sense. Taken out. No, way, no longer to be found. Either born again or even in a church. Not even in a church. It is the grace of God that enables you to do what you're doing. It is the grace of God that puts a love on the inside of you. It is the grace of God that causes you to lose sight of where you're at and what you're going through and to focus on what God wants you to do, to minister life to people, to minister the love of God to people, to minister the compassion of God to people. Hello? Lift your hands and say, it's the grace of God that enables me. 
2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul writes and says to Timothy, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It is the grace of God that gives you the supernatural strength. Sometimes you're hanging in just by your fingernails, but it's the grace of God that keeps you there. Can I get an amen? If God has called you into that business arena, and let me tell you, it's going to be the grace of God that will keep you there and sustain you there. Not for five minutes, but for 50 years. Hallelujah. doesn't matter what's happening out there. If the grace of God is on you, the grace will enable you. The grace gives you the wisdom. The grace gives you creativity. The grace gives you the acumen. The grace gives you whatever it is that you need to be in that work environment. Thank God for His grace. Bump somebody tell them, thank God for His grace. So... Here we see in Hebrews 12, not only are we in a position to receive, I'm receiving the kingdom. I'm in a position always to receive. If I'm open to receive, I become strong in God. I become unshakable. He says, number two, it's the grace of God also. If you allow the grace of God to carry you and sustain you, nobody, nothing will be able to shake you up. Can I get an amen? Number three, he says, not only that, but understand, he says also, Hebrews 12, 28, uh, knowing, can you get that for me? Sorry. Hebrews 12, 28, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God, by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So number three, it's not just serving. Serving is the key, but it is the attitude in how we serve as well. It's not just about brownie points. We're not serving to get brownie points. Bump your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm not serving for brownie points. All right. It's the attitude and how you serve. You can serve, but if you're grumpy and your heart is not in it, you may as well go and sit down. If you're I'm just shaking hand and you're not even looking at the person, you're, you're, your mind is in Johannesburg and your mind is in the pizza that you got in the oven or whatever it is that you got to do for next week, you may as well sit down. Hello? If, you, if there's no smile on your face, what are you shaking people's hands for? They've had a bad week as it is. Now they see your face and they even have a bad Sunday as well. Come on. So it's not just the serving, it's how we serve. It's the attitude in which we get to do things. But if you know that the grace is on you, the grace will put a smile on you. The grace will enable you to minister to that person. The grace is what brings the attitude of my serving. I'm not serving because I want to be noticed. I'm not serving because I, somehow I, want, I want brownie points. I'm serving because God has graced me. I'm so rich with the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God. I can't help but smile. I can't help but minister into your heart, into your life. Can you say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. The Passion Translation, verse 28, says it like this. Uh, Since we are receiving our rights to an unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful. How thankful? How thankful? Extremely thankful and offer God the purest worship that delights His heart. As we lay down our lives in absolute surrender, filled with awe. 
Hallelujah. Do you know that every day should be filled with awe? Awe in, as, as, as what God's done in your life. We are the paintbrush that is in the hand of the master. And the paintbrush doesn't look and say, not a bad job if I may say so. No, the paintbrush recognizes that it's the hand of the master and the paintbrush stands in awe and says, my God, I, I, I can't believe the painting. I cannot believe what God has done with my life. We stand in awe of what God has done. It's a good thing to remember where you came from. Hello? That's why we get in the drums. That's where I, that's my, that's the den. That's the cave I used to be. I'm just kidding. But I mean, it's good to remember where you started, where you came from, so that you can stand in awe. My goodness, I was here. And look at me. I'm here right now. God, I stand in awe of your greatness, of your goodness. This is not about me, myself. Ah. Hallelujah. There are times when I remember when we started in Cape Town and we had a little VW. And, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I, 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 I can drive a car. That's about it. And then I know the engine is somewhere in the front and the tank for the petrol is in the back. That's all I know. And this little VW that was broken and we tried to fix it up. Boy, we traveled from Tableview all the way to Archery. And oftentimes we were stuck on the side of the road. I don't I mean, God, thank God for people who would stop and help us. But that's how it was. That's how we began. Hallelujah. We had a small little house that was just me and my wife, and there we were together, just staying there. And, and if it wasn't for people coming and giving us groceries, sometimes we, we wouldn't make it to the end of the month. It's good to remember where you came from. Can I get a better amen? So he says you're being extremely thankful. Our service, it's our attitude. Extremely thankful. He's talking about a pure worship that comes from the heart. It's not, it's not how good you can sing, but is it coming from your heart? If it comes from your heart, it will delight the heart of God. Say this after me. If my worship comes from my heart, it will delight the heart of God. It's got to come from your heart. And then he says, not only that, but laying down our lives and filled with all. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So it's number one, being in a position to receive that makes you unshakable. Number two, it's about the grace of God that enables me. And the more the grace is, the stronger I become, the more unshakable I become. It's about serving and the attitude in which I serve that makes me strong. And number four, he says, and don't forget verse 29, that your God is a consuming fire. Hallelujah. Sometimes we need the fire because it takes fire to burn the dross. God, I need fire for my wife. Please, please. You know, and then I need, God, you know my mother-in-law, I need the fire of God. No, the fire is for you. Did you know that there's dross in your life? Last I checked, there was only three people in the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Last time I checked, only Jesus was Mr. Perfect. Only God is perfect. There is no perfect person. Hallelujah. Come on. Just like you have been offended, guess what? You will also offend people. You're not perfect. And so we need the fire to burn all the fleshliness, all the childishness, all the immaturity. But you know what I've learned about fire? The same fire that can melt is the same fire that can harden. The same fire that purifies is the same fire that makes you strong. Hallelujah. 
See, when the fire burns all the dross, it makes you more pure. It makes you more stronger. So no matter what the devil throws at you, you're strong because the fire has refined you. The fire has purified you. Look at what James says in James 1 and verse 2. He says, my brethren, and he's talking to the sisterin as well. My brethren and sisterin, count it all joy when they tell you, oh, what a blessing you've been to them. You know, if it wasn't for you, pastor, I wouldn't be saved. Count it all joy when they're all patting you on the back and telling you how wonderful. Is that what it says there? I don't, I, maybe I've got the wrong Bible. What does it say in your Bible? Count it all joy, what? When you fall into various trials. Count it all joy. All joy means it's like you got the dial and the volume, and you got volume one and volume two and volume three, and then all the way to volume 10. He's saying when you are facing adversities and all kinds of, of stuff, crank it up. Crank up the volume. Crank it up. Hallelujah. Count it all joy. Crank up. No, now that, that's not the time for you to back down, to keep quiet, to be feeling sorry for yourself or what, 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 whatever else it is. That's the time to crank it up. Bump your neighbor and say, crank it up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That word counted all joy means actually to be deliberate in your judgment of what's happening on the external. In other words, do not bring in feelings, nothing more than feelings. Come on. There's too many people got their emotions on their sleeves, got their feelings on their sleeves. And then somebody walked past them and didn't look at them and then they feel depressed and they feel suicidal. Come on, man. There's got to be a lot more in you than just that. Huh? Come on. Bump your neighbors and neighbor. Don't count on your feelings. Count on your faith. Count at maximum joy. When you are persecuted, when they are speaking all kinds of evil about you, when everybody has left you high and dry, crank it up and count it all joy. Can you say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. Amen. James writes and says, you know what? This testing is not to see if you make the grade. This testing is actually like, like metals. How many of you know that when a metal goes through fire, what does the fire do? The fire removes all the impurities. So that it can become pure. The purer, the stronger. The purer, the harder. Can I get an amen? amen? Praise the Lord. And that's what God does. His fire comes not only to consume and purify and refine, but it comes to harden so that whatever you might be facing, praise God, you are unshakable, you are persistent, you are unwavering, you are unfaltering, hallelujah. You can look at that devil in his eye and say, devil, I'm not moving, I came here first. This is my territory, this is my marriage, this is my body, this is my business, this is my finances, hallelujah. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. I have Christ in me. That is the hope of all glory. Hallelujah. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. 
Thank you, Father, for your word that's come to us today. And you have purpose for us to be an unshakable people. We are citizens of an unshakable kingdom. And because of that, God, I thank you that you're raising up to be men and women of strength, men and women of power, men and women of substance, God. That we're going to not let the little things spoil us. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Yet we are greater than the little foxes. We have a greater anointing, a greater power, a greater authority. And I pray even as your word has come, God, that it would strengthen people. No matter what they might be facing, God, we're not about to give up. We're not about to pack up and leave town. No, on the contrary, we're going to count it all joy. We're going to maximize our, vo our vo volume. We're going to maximize our worship. We're going to maximize our time with you, God. We're going to push the pedal to the metal or the metal to the pedal or whatever it is. God, we're going to go all out for you in the name of Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed right now. You're in this place today, and you say, Pastor, my life's not right with God. Whether you're here or in Phoenix or in Hillcrest, there as well. And I don't know, things happen. And sometimes we make the wrong choices. And, and there are consequences, but you know, it's not the end. Let me tell you. You say, but I'm riddled with guilt and shame and embarrassment. Let me tell you, there is life after guilt and shame and embarrassment. Even when you fall your lowest and you hit the ground your hardest, God still gives us the strength to be able to get up. We can still put right and come back to Jesus. And the amazing thing is that Jesus takes us just the way that we are. He doesn't ask us to go and rehabilitate ourselves or clean ourselves up. He will take you just the way that you are. You can come back today. Those of you that are away from God, and you know right now that, that God is busy tugging at your heart, because that's, that's the love of God. He loves every person. I don't care who you are. I don't care what it is that you've done. God loves every single person. Oh, but you don't know my story. Everybody has a story. And we might have different stories, but the greatest story is the story of the cross. The cross and the story of the cross envelops every other story. Because love, there's nothing greater than love. You say, but I'm feeling guilty. I'm feeling condemned. Let me tell you, the love of God is greater than that guilt and that condemnation. And if you will allow the love, the love will override the guilt and the condemnation. And so today, I want to pray for those of you that say, John, my life's not right. I'm away from God. You spoke about Jesus, about being born again. I've never been born again. I don't even know what that means, but I do realize that I have no peace with God. But today, you're telling me that I can come and find peace and find forgiveness. Yes, absolutely. And you're telling me that I don't have to clean myself up and do a million cartwheels. I don't have to say a million hallelujahs that God will take me just the way that I am. Absolutely, you can come tonight, today just by way of opening your heart and inviting the person of Jesus into your life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, right across the campuses, right now, if you want me to pray for you, you say, that's me, pastor, would you pray for me? Then right where you are, every eye closed, nobody looking around. 
I want you right now. Go ahead. Lift up your hand and say, here's my hand. I'm coming right now. Would you pray for me? Go ahead. Lift your hand up high. Lift your hand up high. God bless you, sir. I see that hand in the back. Anybody else? Lift your hand up high across the campuses in Phoenix, in Hillcrest. Anybody else? Say, here's my hand. I'm coming. Would you pray for me? 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 I will right now. God bless you. Anybody else? Here's what I want us to do. Right across the campuses, I want everybody to pray this prayer. Would you say after me, Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name, just as I am, with all of my faults, all of my failures, and all of my sin, and I ask you for forgiveness. I repent today. Thank you for loving me so much, Jesus. Right now, receive your unconditional love. Thank you for loving me so much, never giving up on me. This very moment, I receive eternal life and the forgiveness of all of my sins, and I'll never be the same in Jesus' name.